and welcome to the Go Sell Something podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, and here at Affinity, we multiply your profits by quickly finding you the best available employees. We have an awesome guest with us today, Mr. Andrew Gazdecki. Andrew is a serial entrepreneur. He started business apps right out of college in 2010, took it from zero to $10 million a year in annual recurring revenue. Sold it off, started another company, Altcoin, in 2018, uh, raised over 800000 in funding, and sold that one a year and a half later. Uh, he's been featured in Forbes, Inc. Magazine, TechCrunch, Entrepreneur.com, and several others. Uh, he's kind of a big deal. And lately, he has started MicroAcquire. He's now helping other people sell their tech companies. Andrew, thanks so much for your time today, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the cool intro. I, I feel more, I feel cooler than I am after hearing that. So I'll start by asking, I'm hopeful that we'll have some listeners here in Huntsville who need to hear about MicroAcquire. Can you uh, just share in a little bit more detail about what you do and uh, why MicroAcquire is better than a traditional broker when you're trying to sell your business? Yeah, definitely. So MicroAcquire is a startup acquisition marketplace and we allow founders to sell their businesses without any commissions or any fees and really get access to buyers faster. So that's probably the main selling point is being able to run a process yourself. You don't have any huge commissions that you would typically pay with an investment bank or broker. Um, and it's just basically a marketplace without the middleman. So. I, I do want to know brokers are good and so are investment bankers, especially depending on the size of the deal. Um, but also within MicroQuire, you can find MA advisors if you need help with negotiations or you've just never sold a business so you don't know the process. So we do provide those resources as well. But really the goal with MicroQuire is to give founders an easy option to exit their business without some of the typical friction and costs and inefficiencies that we currently see in the market. Awesome. Uh, you know, you're a humble guy, Andrew. I know it's hard to brag on yourself sometimes, so I'm going to ask you specifically to brag on yourself. Um, you know, so in a world <laughs> where 96% of startups fail, why have you been so successful, man? You were uh, successful right out of the gate and then you've been creating and selling businesses and you've been on the national scene and, uh, what traits do you have or what have you done that you feel has led to your success? Um, luck. Now, that's the first one that comes to mind. And it's, and it's true. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I hear people say stuff like, you can't start a company until you do this or you need XYZ experience to start a company. Um, and none of that's true. Um it will improve the chances of you being successful. But I guess put another way, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be like a CEO of a company. That was my thing. Like I wanted, I studied startups. I read TechCrunch back in like 2008 when they would only write about like startups you've never heard about. Now it's just like XYZ startup raised more money or went public, <laughs> like um, totally different scene back then when no one really paid attention to tech. Now it's kind of cool and trendy to be an entrepreneur. So I'd maybe, you know, it's just something I really love doing. And I think when you really love working on businesses or you really love what you're doing, regardless of what it is, you're going to be good at it. Um, 
I work a lot. Um, I always like to joke, you know, on the weekends when people go out and play tennis or whatever hobby they have. My hobby is startups. I love startups. Um, I love interfacing with customers. I love building teams. Um, you know, that's just kind of what I, what I live for. So what's made me successful, definitely luck business apps as a specific example. That was a do it yourself mobile app builder. I launched it right when the iPhone came out. So the timing on that was, was pretty good. And it was an obvious problem. Small businesses wanted to build ways to connect with their customers on these new mobile devices in a massive market. There's, you know, 15 million small businesses in the U S alone. So that one was kind of luck. Um, Altcoin, that one also, well, I'll start with saying Altcoin was not nearly as successful as business apps, but I looked at that as kind of another paradigm shift. We had internet, mobile, blockchain. So I built a uh, blockchain trading engine in that uh, space and then sold it to a company called BNK to the future for them to release to their customers. And then with MicroQuire, I just thought, you know, there would be another trend where people would be looking to buy businesses. And that's just based on my personal experience where I was looking to buy SaaS companies specifically. There was no market specific to um, SaaS companies and just going through, you know, selling two different businesses, one to a private equity firm, one to a strategic buyer, um, having some insights into, you know, how to potentially make that easier for both parties. What would you say has been, kind of the pinnacle or the most rewarding point in your career so far? What's been, uh, what's been that moment for you where you've, what that's gotten you most excited in the last 12 years since you've been doing this? Uh, one thing I'm really proud of, um, and this might be kind of weird, but at business apps, two people met and got married and, uh, <laughs> they have, they're happily married and they, they're proud parents now. Um, I think that's awesome. You know, I, it, that's that's probably one of my favorite parts about business is just how many lives you can impact in such a positive way. I'm not saying I, I like put them on a blind date, but um, you know that's pretty. That's I, I think that's um, I think back on business apps and there's so many moments like that where you know people started their careers there and they moved on to become a vice president at a company or you know a C level executive. Um, so there's, there's those parts where you're just, you know, really making like a true life, um, like a positive life impact on a large number of people. I think that's, that's amazing. awesome. Yeah, no doubt. But, but personally, I'll tell you the personal one, uh, in college, I had this job board. I grew up super poor. Um, not like soup, like pretty poor, um, like food stamps and stuff. So it was, it was rough growing up. So I always say when you don't grow up with a lot of money, um, money's usually top of mind. So I was in college, flat broke, like literally, um, you know, uh, financial aid, all that stuff. And I built this job board uh, to connect uh, mobile developers with businesses looking to develop an app again, right, literally right when the iPhone came out. And that eventually led to business apps. But I sold that job board for like $50,000 or something like that. And I always joke and say that it felt like 50 trillion billion million dollars because uh, I had never had any like it was the type of money where I felt like I had won the lotto. Um, That's awesome. And I didn't 
I didn't spend any of it. I bought like a nice watch, like an idiot. Um, but I was in college. I, I would say, I would say that like the first meaningful, uh, you know, win, like, Whoa, I sold a business. It was working and it had happy customers. Um, that one comes to mind. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. My, uh, one of my college basketball coaches gave me a bunch of money at Christmas one year along with everybody else on the team. And I went out and, uh, spent it all on Jordans. So I, uh, I relate to the college, uh, impulse buying there. To get specific, I bought, um, the 5150 Nixon watch. I don't know. If you Ooh. It. Everyone I, had it. Everyone had it at my school. And I was like, <laughs> I can finally get one. Like, oh. <laughs> You're but, in but the crowd. Yeah, I bought it used off eBay. So on the flip side, what's been, you know, what's a low point in your career that you can think of and say, hey, had a huge challenge, ran into a huge roadblock. Um, maybe it was a really discouraging time. Uh, tell us a little bit about a time that was very hard and how you kind of dealt with it. Um, man, there's been a lot. I mean, losing key team members is always hard, but that's just, you know, it's bittersweet, you know, when you hire really, really talented people, you know, they're going to move on to, you know, something new. So that, there's been moments like that. Um, I'd say uh, thinking of business apps, um, the most challenging, there's a few points where we weren't really too sure where the business would go. And what I mean by that is um, back in like 2012, Apple started rejecting a lot of our apps um, and we were uploading these manually. So we would upload literally like a thousand apps per month manually. And every app takes about 45 minutes to upload. We just wow. upload it, reject it, upload it. And then we started building all these features and function out. And then we thought like, are we going to be able to like continue to develop mobile apps for the app store? And then the restrictions kind of loosened a little bit and that went away. So that was a little scary. Um, I think that was probably a low point. Um, and then it happened again in 2016 for a small period of time. Um, those are always just kind of like, I don't know, when you're in the moment, you feel like the world's ending, but it's really not. That's simple advice, but it's great advice, man. We've all had the moments and just that one line, man, you feel like the world's ending, but it's really not. That's so true. Yeah. I One, one thing I'll add there too, and this is, how I kind of keep perspective on like low points is I keep a journal and it's just like bullet points of, you know, how are things going? Uh, where do I think I'll be in 30 days? And what are some things I'm like concerned about or problems within whatever business I'm working on? And every time I read it next month, the problems that I write out, I, I literally forgot. I'm like, Oh yeah, that one, it doesn't matter. But in the moment you always feel like the world's ending, like, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's I'd great. say there's always, there's always low points like all the time, but it's good to keep perspective that whatever you're worried about probably won't matter in a month. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really, really good. Uh, last question. One of the previous guests on the podcast here, Rick Jocks, he gave some great advice about startups and he said, start by looking for a problem. He said the biggest issue he sees when people are starting a company is that they create a solution that's looking for a problem. And that it's a really bad place to be when you have a solution looking for a problem. So with that in mind, as we are diving into the 2020s here, this decade, 
what types of tech companies should people be starting? What problems should entrepreneurs be trying to solve in the next however many, five, 10 years? That's a good question. And a, and a broad question too. I would, I'd probably answer the question with how to figure out what type of business to start or how I would think about um, building a startup. So, you know, I, I don't believe in startup ideas. I think the best startups are really just thousands of iterations of a single idea. And so you want to fall in love with a problem. Like you want to find a unique problem that you have a personal experience with ideally. And you want to, you want to have no assumptions about what the solution is to that problem. And you want to let the market guide you and tell you what should that solution look like. And the way you get there is you talk to customers, talk to a lot of customers, you talk to a lot of friends, just get as much feedback as possible. Twitter, LinkedIn are great platforms for literally just saying like, hey, this is my idea. What do, who's interested in it? Um, and you'd be surprised at some of the responses you can get. But to answer your question, I think, I don't know. I'm always trying to think about what people aren't thinking about. Like, what is the world going to look like two to three years from now instead of what's hot today? You know, B2B SaaS is really hot today. Um, e-commerce and direct-to-consumer. I think those those trends will be around for a while. Um, but I can't help but wonder what comes after that. I think there's going to be a lot of innovation in blockchain in terms of just you know, the underlying infrastructure on how, how to build blockchain applications. I don't feel like you're using the internet in like 1998 where you got to use dial up and everything's super slow and it's confusing mm-hmm. as hell. That's, that's probably where I would go if I wasn't um, running MicroAquire right now. I mean, there's just so many opportunities. You can even look at big companies with uh, a certain feature and you can just copy that feature, but focus on it entirely and build a nice, you know, six, seven, eight figure business around that. So I, I think people just need to understand the internet is so big. Markets are so big that what's a niche today could be, you know, pretty good market uh, in two, three, four, five years. Man, that's a, about it for our time today. I want to not take too much of yours and let you go. But thanks again, Andrew, for your time. It's been really valuable. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. and. To anybody listening today, uh, thank you for your time as well. I hope you learned something. I know I learned a lot. Have a great day and go sell something.